This is a Strategist, episode 1086. My name is Zane Velcher. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter. Do it, Corey. Do it. Oh, yeah. Look at that. That Goku has tangled. You look like a... <laughs> You look like one of the several second-rate people who attend Folk Fest, Corey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good. Thank you, Zane. Am it's I allowed to be to back? No, it's good to be back on so. a podcast. Yeah. No, you're not. No, it's okay though. We're gonna just power through that. Am I allowed to yeah. call everyone at Folk Fest second-rate? No. I mean, their first. <laughs> no, not everyone. But you know what? I get where you're coming. That's something I could do. I get where you're coming from. Hey, didn't you guys both go? Hey, it's totally unrelated. Yeah. Listen, it's yeah. a totally yeah, unrelated. Yeah, thanks, story. I did not. Yeah. Did both of you not? I had, uh, I had tickets, but we did, did not go. So everything worked out for me. Oh. Yeah. So That's when amazing. you have tickets to something, and I assume they're expensive, and you just don't go, do you have? Do you try to get rid of these tickets? Do you just not go? Well, tell me what you do, because does this, this is an internal sort of anxiety or panic creep in, Carter, that you've got wow. these valuable it's seats? It's interesting you're not, you're that you fall into the sunk cost fallacy. Money spent. Don't want to go now. Fuck off. <laughs> Carter, you should try to sell those tickets. Okay. There have been so many second-rate people on Facebook Marketplace, which is a second-rate platform yeah. to buy and sell. That have wanted those tickets, no. Carter. So what many people. Gone? I mean, there's some some shots fired at the start of the episode to to music festival goers for sure, Zane. Um, I mean, it is just such a terrible idea. Yeah, just being outside. All day. This comes from, of course, noted indoorsman Zane Velji, uh, who's speaking to you That's right true. now, Corey. Uh, how yeah, was your be, folk fest before experience? Before we were uh, before we were recording, Zane was saying he didn't know to hike. Yeah, he didn't know how to hike. I do and, not know uh, how to Stephen hike. Stephen was explaining that hiking is just walking, and so uh, yeah, but there's the incline piece, and that adds a level <laughs> of uncertainty that that I'm not ready for. Okay, yeah, Carter? I mean inclines are tricky. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Corey, yeah. we hit a new high. The sun cost fallacy on Stephen Carter on this pod. How does that yeah. work? Can you explain this to me? That's true. Like we've invested like, you know, him at some point. And, and what do we do now? Thinking like, well, the audience knows his name. I guess he's here. I guess I guess we stuck with him. But maybe that's wrong. I maybe brought he's the entire the audience way. here, Corey. Guys, like, just wake up and smell the roses. I am the reason for the podcast. Okay. And uh, the fact that sure. you two don't recognize that has always hurt my feelings. Corey, we need I am the uh, reason for the podcast shirts uh, right away on, in the store. <laughs> we don't even need the specialist. I am the reason for the podcast true. shirts That's just true. available. Uh, also, car flags. Just car flags for yep. no reason. Two SKUs. Shirts and car flags, Corey. Um, tell me about okay, your focus experience, it. and then I'll move on. Okay? Uh, let's move on to our next segment. No, it's fine. It's fine. The kids were there. The wife was there. The kids went. Me and the wife stayed. Uh, that sort of sums it up. Good story, Corey. Yeah, it was, it was Thank fine. Thank you. Riveting. Thanks, Annalise yeah, is you know, still there, by the after last time. She's still at the Folk Fest. So I think we've really proven our second class thing, right? Right there. No? Yeah. Well, that well, was just she's not going to listen, so it won't yeah, matter. Yeah, that was, that was unnecessary. Yeah. Let's move it on to she's our not, first segment. She was segment, listening, Carter, I'm worried. I'm not that worried. Just saying. Well, this isn't a live radio show. It's not how it works. It's not a live radio she's show? She's not currently listening. She may listen at some point. <laughs> okay. Yes, can I move it on? Uh, I don't know. Can I move it? I mean, I'm Our in first a little segment, cranky. Stephen Carter, fine, oh. fabulous. Or you are yeah. cranky. You seem very cranky. Yeah. Well, what's what's making you cranky? I didn't get, Let's explore I didn't this get, before I, didn't I move get a on. Full to the night's first sleep, and now I'm cranky. So <laughs> you guys are just got to. Okay. Anything else going on? No, that's it. I'm just old, and With if you crank? don't get a good night's sleep when you're old, I will tell you. I think I have to go to the bathroom. I may have to stop okay. the recording at some point. I'll let you know. I'll give you a hand signal. Okay. Well. That's good. Well, most people won't notice. Uh, Carter, fine, fabulous, mm -hmm. or fucked. That is our first segment on the pod. Corey, it's a oldie, but it's a goodie. It allows us to sort through a potpourri of political news, a a large smorgasbord of political news. Can I say that, Corey? Is that is that? I think you could say either. Sense. I don't know what a smorgasbord is. I think it's yeah, smorgasbord, yeah, not a D. Okay. But that's... I think it's a board. I think it's a board. I think it's a board yeah. of smorg. You know what? Okay? We're not gonna. Just we're to not clear. gonna haggle. I spend most of my time 
Well, we're not. We'll gonna. just say smorg. Smorgs. We'll just say smorg. <laughs> it is a yeah. smorg of activity. We're going to go through a list of political things, items that have happened in the news, political strategies that have been implemented, political stories that we are now seeing in the headlines. Carter, you guys are going to tell me whether it is fine, fabulous, or fucked for the party in question. And Corey, let's start here. Let's start locally with a story that is making some headlines here. Calgary Skyview MP George Shahal has written a letter, a scathing letter, on the developments concerning the Calgary Stampede. This, of course, uh, after the Stampede admitted uh, knowing about a culture where sexual assault went unchecked uh, for decades, members of the Young Canadians um, and and the Calgary Stampede. Carter, will you explain? Uh, I'll let you explain the story. It's yeah, a very I mean, you know intricate basically story. Basically, they were made um, that talks yeah, about they were made aware of uh, sexual harassment and assault that went back to the 1980s with one of their Young Canadians instructors, um, and it took them. Uh, as you say, decades to act on it. And finally, the lawsuit has been, uh, right now they've agreed to the wrongdoing. They've not yet settled on the amount that they will be paying. And uh, the Calgary Stampede, I think, here has been quite quite tarnished by it. But I'll let you get to the fine, fabulous, or fucked part. But that's the basis of the story, is that they've known, they, they knew about it for decades, and they took exactly zero action to protect children, uh, I think is the is the crux of it. Uh, unless, Corey, you know, you want to add anything, but I think that that's got uh, the core elements of the story. Corey, did you want to add anything? Well, uh, I, well, I don't know. It, It's obviously a bad scene. There's no disputing that. I think that we do need to acknowledge there's a difference between acknowledging kind of corporate culpability and the culpability of the people that are there right now. Mm-hmm. And there is an argument to be made that the people there right now are trying to do right and trying to move forward and trying to do good. And this organization, of course, is more than just one individual or, or one set of actors. And so I think this is where we get into the challenge of, of this particular matter when you assess the actions of George Shahal which I think you're, you're teeing up here, uh, you know. I, I am just teeing up. So thank you to both of you for, for kind of adding color to that story, adding some context to this story. Before I get to Shahal, can I talk about this Calgary stampede? Mm-hmm. And my question starts with you, Stephen Carter. Fine, fabulous, or fucked? Let's talk about the actors of yep. today, right? This is an incident that happened years ago, spanning over a decade. Um, we'll easily get into the territory of speculation. I love that usually. I don't want to get onto it in this particular story. So let's talk about the actors of today, Carter. Fine, fabulous, or fucked in your mind that the Calgary Stampede releases this statement, this uh, admission of culpability, right after the Stampede. Not doing it before, right after. Is that fine, fabulous, or fucked in your mind? Add, put your strategy hat on. Tell I mean, me as do. a strategist, I think you have to you know, acknowledge that you're, it, it is far better to do it after the stampede than it is to do it before the stampede. Um, you know, they have enough controversy that swirls around the stampede every year without adding this to it. So from a strategic point of view, um, I think that it's it's fine. I, and I, I might even go so far as to say fabulous when, when thinking of, of the point of view that Corey's bringing forward, which is that this is a group of people who may or may not be individually responsible because, you know, they they weren't sitting at the uh, control panel when this happened over the over the past decades. But um, so as the individuals to, to accept culpability, uh, to do the right thing is 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 probably fabulous. Um, but there's going to be a pretty big bite that hangs in the air over this because of um, the culture that had to exist uh, for this to to occur for the period in which it did. Corey, same question to you about the Stampede, their communication strategy here, releasing this 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 note, this uh, apology, this admission right on the heels of a near record-breaking Stampede. Five fabulous or fucked in your mind? Well, again, if you're talking from a strategy point of view, I I tend to think it's it's fine or maybe even a, a, a quote-unquote fabulous strategy here. And it's a yeah. funny word to use in the yeah, context sure. of the allegations and everything going on. I just, I want to underline that. But 
you would be thinking in in the sense of you have optionality as to when this occurs. You want to do it in a way that damages the the corporate institution that is the stampede the least. That is the furthest away from the stampede, so you have time to recover and people to contextualize it and think about things differently and and maybe even see some of your follow-on actions in terms of the things you are going to do as an organization to both atone for what was occurring, how you're going to make sure something like this never happens again, right? To have the most time possible to do that, you do that as far away from the stampede as possible, which is right after the stampede. So it, it makes a ton of sense from a strategy point of view. I have to confess, I don't know enough. I, I would feel maybe a little bit differently about it if by delaying it, there were some significant ramifications besides that delaying of justice by a week or two weeks or whatnot, or or maybe they've been holding mm-hmm. on to this for four months. I just don't know enough about of that, course. Zane. I don't know enough about the chronology behind there. But let's just assume they had a choice between a week before and a week after, and the facts are what the facts are. Yeah, I mean, that's not bad corporate strategy. That's not. And this is this is what I wanted to discuss, right? We don't know, to your point, Corey, the context. But in this case, let's just make the assumption that they had the choice here, because this kind of gets into a strategy question that I think is interesting. When your strategy is so obvious to this point, being like, of course, they released this after the stampede, right? Of course, they released this after the the 10 day festival, where they raked in the money, the sponsorship, you know, the sponsors felt good, they give themselves 51 weeks to rebuild trust again to next year's event. When the strategy is so crystal clear, does it come at a cost when it's like, it's both artful, but also just so nakedly obvious? You know what I'm trying to say? Like, I'm trying to say that if people can see it as like, oh, that kind of makes you feel something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they will pay a, a price for the cynicism of, of the move, but that's I, the, that's the I think that maybe not a massive price. And, and I think that you really have to be one of the people who follows this very closely in order to, to kind of feel that. And I'm certain that there are stakeholders and partners who will be more aware of this, who will feel a, a little bit less good, I think. But for the general public, I suspect that this will all be in this miasma of these events occurred around this time, and a year has passed since then by the time the yeah. next stampede comes along. Uh, Carter, Corey's nailed in my mind. Cynicism was the word I was looking for. I just couldn't get there, but I kind of described that feeling. Uh, the cost that they pay for that cynicism, like, is it is it high from a pure strategy perspective? Or do you feel like the strategy of doing it right after, like, even if it's naked, obvious, cynical, whatever people would want to call opportunistic, uh, is the right play every time? Yeah, I mean, I think there's been, if you think back over the course of years, you will find that there's tremendous number of corporations that operate in this kind of cynical space because, um, you know, because it's the right play strategically. You know, we, we need more time. Let's not do it at this week. Let's do it ne- next week. Let's, you know, th- this type of thing happens all the time in, in corporate worlds as well as political worlds. And the cynicism, yeah, I mean, people may say, you know, you should have done it before. But the truth is, that the good strategies don't need to be unique strategies, right? The good strategies are sometimes just the naked plays uh, because you're, you're dealing with a giant bag of shit. You know you're dealing with a giant bag of shit. So the only way you're going to you know, be able to manage this is just to, to, to do the giant bag of shit strategy. And that appears to me to be what, what they're doing. Move it away from your core product as much as possible. Um, um, you know, apologize. Mm. Uh, get it out of the way. Don't hold back. Don't, um, don't, don't, you know, push, you know, don't, you don't use soft words, use hard words, and then hope that the, uh, the great healer of time um, comes in and heals things. Because ultimately, we've seen with just about every quote unquote corporate sin, I mean, we don't see this with individual sins necessarily, but with corporate sins, most are forgotten and forgiven um, over the course of time. And time does heal. So, you know, it's hard not to think that that's a good strategy when it's worked so frequently. Corey, finish us off on here before I go to the Shahal piece. Yeah, as a thought exercise, imagine that the Stampede had decided to release this admission of culpability two weeks before the start of the Stampede. Sure. Think of the chaos that would create uh, for the organization. And I'm sure people said, and I'm sure... 
some even believed it. Uh, think of the chaos that would create for partners of the Calgary Stampede as well, who would all mm. of a sudden have to make a lot of decisions at the drop of a hat after significant investments as to how they were going to proceed with the Stampede at that particular moment. Uh, the, the reality is, if they had that optionality, they were never going to go right before the Stampede. And there are reads of it that that was actually the right move for a lot of people involved. The Stampede, for those not in Calgary, is a bit of an all-encompassing event. And there are significant outlays by, you know, the agriculture industry, by corporate Calgary, uh, by partners more generally, uh, as they invest in this community-building time. And if you've got this cloud over it and those investments all of a sudden become these big liabilities, that's a problem for a lot of people. And I can hear people say, and I'm not sure I entirely disagree, yeah, but you know, you got to pay the piper and there were there were significant wrongdoings that were done here. But uh, realistically, if your goal is to minimize harm writ large, and it's we're talking two weeks difference, three weeks difference, well, then you're going to wait those three weeks every time. That's the reality, uh, you know, and maybe that leads to some cynical uh, or, you know, views and, and maybe that invites the backlash, such as the thing I'm sure we're going to get to where, uh, you know, a Calgary MP suggests that funding should be dropped for the Stampede, federal funding. But, um, you know, there are there are some practical considerations there. OK, let's get let's get into that. So the question really is on uh, on the heels of this, where the Stampede finally acknowledges right on the heels of this year's Stampede that this decades long uh, history of, of abuse by this individual who was imprisoned in 2018. We apologize and we take responsibility for it. the Stampede admits that yeah. Carter uh, on, on the heels of this year's Stampede uh, last week. So this past Thursday, then Calgary Skyview MP George Shaw writes this one pager, a letter that says not a single taxpayer dollar should support an organization that has shown, shown such blatant disregard for the well-being of our youth. Federal funding should only be reconsidered when the victims themselves feel the genuine accountability and reconciliation have incurred. The Calgary Stampede must recognize that they have lost trust of many Calgarians. And then he goes on to say that I'll be encouraging my federal colleagues within the government to not fund the Calgary Stampede. And for context, it's about two million bucks uh, a year that the feds kind of cough up to to the Calgary Stampede. Carter, the question top line is very simple. It's the same one that that I ask for the first question and, every, and for everything I'll ask going forward. Fine, fabulous or fucked this letter. By George Shahal. I think it's fabulous. I think that uh, I'm shocked that he's the only one who's done it. I am uh, flummoxed that there seems to be some sort of a, a feeling that this this was in fact controversial. Um, it doesn't make sense to me that it is. I, I, I've never seen a situation where standing up and demanding better of an organization that has committed this type of, of a sin, uh, whether it be corporate or whether it be the people who are there today or not. I think that Corey's made a good point about that, that the people who are there today may not be the people who were there in the past. But this is a significant problem. This, the, these, if the, you know, if we were talking about sport, which we talked about so many times in the past, um, organizations don't get a free pass. They don't get a free pass. And, uh, you know, I talked about Alpine Canada losing sponsorship when they had the drunk driving incident. They also lost mm-hmm, sponsorship mm-hmm. when they had their sexual um, harassment and sexual uh, improper Im- impropriety issues. Um, and, it was the right, you know, the right thing to do is that the organization needs to show that they've learned from it. And standing up and saying that there is a way out for the Stampede, the Stampede's way out is to is to win over um, and to work with the people who've been aggrieved and and who've been uh, impacted by this terrible situation. And all they need to do is get those people to say it, you know what, it, the Stampede has made the proper amends. The stampede has done the job that they need to do. I don't think that that's too high a hurdle. And I am shocked that, that George Sahal right now is seemingly on an island. Where's Jyoti Gondek? I mean, we took on the stampede during her campaign um, for for far lesser sins than this, I must tell you. But she, you know, what did she know about this? I, I mean, I'm, I'm dying to know who knew what, when. Uh, because she was a board of she was a director of the organization. I'd love to know what she knew what was going on, and then not just her, but every politician that sat on the board. Right now, Courtney um, Penner is a board member. What did she know, and when did she know it? Um, you know, Dan Dan 
Dan McLean's a board member. I'd love to know what was going on because we're going to sit behind these corporate shields and everybody's going to say, I can't talk about it. And you know what? That's not good enough for me. Corey, this letter by George Hall, I gave you a snippet of it um, uh, a moment ago, just before Carter's answer. In your mind, fine, fabulous, or fucked? Hmm. Um, I honestly don't know how I feel about it. For a little bit more context, it's $2 million federal funding. The stampede is about $150 million a year, uh, you know, revenue and expenses, right? Just Thanks you know, for adding so, that, Corey. That's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's pretty big. I, I mean, that's the stampede proper, and then there's all of the events that go around it. Um, but we're talking, at the end of the day, probably between 1% and 2%. Well, I disagree with that, budget. Corey. There, the capital funds, yeah. there are capital funds that flow too, and the capital funds are significant. If you took away the capital funding for the BMO Center, the BMO Center doesn't get built. Yeah. Fair ball. And I think that this is actually one of the things, where does the stampede end and where does it begin? And are we talking about the event? Mm-hmm. And are we talking about the, the stampede grounds? And and what are we talking about is a major question uh, made muddier still by the kind of quasi-public, quasi-not nature of the Calgary stampede, right? And so, I, which was not to kind of diminish the potential of the federal threat or whatnot. Yeah. I just wanted to provide a little bit of context, you know, especially for people who might not be aware of the size or scale of the stampede. So, uh, I, I honestly don't know how I feel about this. I, I think that that came out so quickly after the, the fact base. I wonder if, uh, George Shahal had all of his facts or if he'd really thought about it. It felt very shoot from the hip. Um, and you know, it was based on a, a righteous indignation that was, that was legitimate, right? Absolutely legitimate what was occurring here. But, um, I, I'm not 100% sure how I feel about this. I, I really am not because uh, th- I don't love the idea of, of providing vetoes to individual people for government policy. I think the reality of a lot of our justice system is uh, I want the stampede to do right by them. I also uh, am mindful that we don't often deter- let victims determine when when the punishment is enough for a lot of other reasons right because of the other consequences are there so i don't love the precedent even though it seems fairly innocuous in this particular moment and at this particular fork in the road uh but also i'm kind of pissed at how the stampede has felt uh, and acted and dealt with this thing over decades and uh well i don't have the entire set of facts and none of us really do uh right now i'm pretty pissed with the facts that i do have available and and the fact that this occurred for so long uh with warnings having been given to the stampede with complaints having gone forward and, and nothing have occurred so i sort of understand that reaction too so i don't know zane i don't know how i feel about it i i think it's fine because it's human i think it's it's a reaction that many of us had at this moment saying well this is unacceptable and i'm not sure it's enough but I also don't know. I don't, I just like, because of the times between it and yeah. his letter, I just can't believe that he had all of the facts that were necessary to make such statements and such declarations. Can we examine that, that part in a second and maybe examine the other part where you talked about the human moment? That's what's really fascinating to me here, um, Carter, which is that at what point, like this, this competition that we have between being strategic and then just bottling up a vibe and nailing it. You yeah. know what I mean? And in this way, Georgia Hall probably said what a lot of people were thinking. And I think a lot of the response that we got on our iMessages and WhatsApps were like, yep, feeling the same way, or like, finally someone said it. Political points for shooting from the hip, even if you don't have your full fact base, but just bottling up a vibe like he did. Do you feel like he'll win this on straight and vibe may not be the right word, so let me just keep using it. But do you think he could win this if and if win yeah. I don't mean and from a pure political sense now, right? Like do you feel like this is a political victory from him just because he bottled up a moment and a feeling that was out there that no one else was saying? And it really doesn't matter if his fact base is there, or if Corey's additional point that he mentioned about are the same people around, the governance structure is different, the board directors who are volunteers are different. None of that really matters if you can bottle up a moment. Is that true, Carter? Totally true, especially for politicians. I mean, we see it all the time when people are running. Um, You know, you you can take, you know, this this Paul Bernardo being transferred to a uh, medium security prison is exactly that, right? All of a sudden, everybody's really upset that Paul Bernardo is being transferred to medium security prison. Well, 
do they really want the justice minister stepping in and, and, and administering their own justice? Like, I, I think that the shoot from the hip is, is really dangerous. But when it captures emotion like that, when it captures the right, wrong, immediate instinct of the human race in general, then you're doing really well with your shoot from your hip. Yes. yes. And I think that this... You know, this is why one of the reasons I'm a little bit confused, to be honest, is that I don't think that, right. you know, everybody like I'm I'm on side with this. I think this is great because I think that the well, stampede, let, me, let me ask you this is in a different yeah. way, Carter. Do you feel like do you feel like downside risk for a politician is limited if they jumped in? I think that it is. I think that you when was the last time we saw a politician being on the wrong side of the, uh, you know, you know, by by trying to say that you know people shouldn't abuse children, and that organizations that facilitate or protect people who abuse children uh, should, in some fashion, be held accountable. I don't know that we've ever had a situation where you know th- there's been an organization that's that's been seen to be accountable for this type of behavior, and a politician calls them out where they and, and the population goes. I don't know. I think that the you know I think the stampede's on the right side of this. I, I I mean I just don't think that there's a huge core of people thinking that way. So, but I could be wrong because no one else is doing it. It's just George. Corey, talk to me about bottling up a moment, uh, right? Like meeting the vibe check of the room, where the room here maybe represents a broader community. Could Shahal yeah. just politically win based on? that alone and the fact base is almost secondary well he could win on that alone he could win because it's not a terrible bet to suggest that a corporation is going to follow up and mm-hmm. do the wrong thing because corporations often do because of all of the interests they're trying to balance and because they are often not able to tell their story their story the way they want to tell it because of uh, you know all of the different considerations particularly in a case like this uh, you know for me um his risk is that facts come out that actually really undercut it, where perhaps, for example, victims say, you know what, the Stampede has been really good working with us throughout all of this, and, and we worked on this plan and all of this since, like, since here. They were terrible before then, but the current board has been really, really solid or or whatnot. Or if it's a situation where, for example, uh, you know, additional... Uh, you know, facts come out that really just underline that this board is trying to do the right thing and and has been trying to do everything exactly mm-hmm, as they need mm-hmm, to be doing mm-hmm. it. I think this is where these first two questions of yours collide with each other, though, right? You know, you know if you had a board that was seized with doing the right thing, an organization seized with doing the right thing, come hell or high water, and then they make a calculation to wait after Stampede. You know, it suggests calculations not entirely removed. Uh, you know, the defense of the corporation is not entirely removed. Right. And that's what makes it, I think, I, I think in some ways that invites the sort of response that George Shaw had. Because it's like, here we go, right? You waited until just after the Stampede to do this thing. That's not enough for me, this admission of guilt. I want real changes. And 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 I guess that's the thing. George is assuming there haven't been real changes. And maybe he knows but because the speed of it, I suggest, or I suspect, so, he doesn't 100% know. The state Zane, do you mind if I take the host role Carter, for jump a second? In here. So I'll ask you two. Okay. Yeah, so the question is, um, what should he do? I mean, so should there be hearings into this? Should should they dig in? Should they, how much, how much extra activity could be done in order for this to actually make sense for George Shahal, Mr. Hogan? Well, let me ask you this. Hold on. Let me I've asked ask you, you, you what you I know. What the fuck? This is the question podcast <laughs> no, all of a sudden. I, I'm gonna rhetor okay. I'm gonna rhetorically He's ask gonna do the Corey he's gonna do the Corey Hogan answer gonna, with the question so that we don't feel yeah. dumb. Have you not heard of this before? He does yeah, it all I the time. It yeah. does it all <laughs> yeah. the fucking time. It's annoying as shit. Uh but it's his only move, yeah. so we'll but let that's him. That's what play. I do. Go ahead. Go it's ahead, my only play. Maybe the play for George Shahal was exactly that, Stephen, to say this raises serious questions and concerns, and I'm calling for an inquiry right now, and I'm calling for no money to be sent from the federal government until yeah. an inquiry has been called, right? Maybe that It doesn't even need to be an inquiry, right? It can just be a committee hearing. It doesn't have to have all of the bells and whistles. That's Yeah, it doesn't right? need to be a inquiries yeah. act inquiry I, that's not yeah. actually what i was suggesting yeah i i think until we get to the bottom of this until we look at this i'm saying no right. more federal money should go that might have been a little more i might feel a lot better well, that about that still one. can be well, on the table tell me about this, like then. the next step is still fairly unwritten in george's book except 
Except he did actually Obsessed. define yeah. what the stampede needs to do. And, the, to and this, yeah. he did, he defined what the stampede needs to do. But Carter has he also defined what success for his play means as well by saying, "I'm going to use my advocacy." I'm paraphrasing for George, but it's in this vein. I'm going to use my advocacy power to lobby my colleagues to not put a single dollar into the Calgary Stampede until this bar has been hit. When we talk about political strategy, we have to do risk calculations all the time. That's why I've been spending a lot of time in this conversation on risk. What is the risk to George that he's unsuccessful in the feds uh, and, and stopping his federal colleagues, right? He's he's not a cabinet minister, recent cabinet shuffle, right? He's a voice here in Calgary, a powerful one. But like when we talk about risk exposure, when he puts out that letter, he might win on vibe check, which we all largely agree. He may or may not win on fact base, TBD. But what risk has he now exposed on himself around his political both might and, frankly, fallibility if he can't persuade his federal colleagues card. I don't Talk think to me that about that's that. actually the concern. I think the concern is what we lovingly refer to in Calgary as the Stampede Mafia. You know, like the, the problem is that the group of people who run Calgary that decide that Calgary is going to look a certain way and sound a certain way and be a certain way, uh, they are very often associated with with the Stampede. Um, it was a big thing when Joti Gondek took on the Stampede because there was a, an open question as to whether or not that would be a successful strategy because the Stampede is so fucking powerful. Um, so, you know, I, I'm kind of... I don't think I only I think the only risk that George has is in terms of all politics are local and maybe he has a harder time raising money because the Stampede Mafia close ranks and and try and protect um, the organization. But that's to me, I think that that's a marginal er issue because I don't think that the Shahal uh, uh, cabal of power have uh, ever relied upon the uh, the stampede uh, as, as a as a center of power for them. Uh, Shahal Kabul uh, stickers uh, will soon be available in the store. Corey, um, <laughs> uh, uh, do we also owe the debate Shahal Kabul? I think we will .ca. now. Yeah, well, we, will think, now. Yeah, we, we will now. We will now. Great, that Shahalkabul.ca. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's get all versions and all spellings of that. Um, Corey, talk to me about George's risk here. This is an MP in Calgary who's well-liked, who's been a, 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 a voice uh, on many issues, former city councillor, right? So it has a, a decent understanding of the municipal side here, when Carter mentions all politics being local, right? So he's got that local bent. But his risk, he laid out what success looks like. But does anyone care, Corey? So, yeah, I, I really desperately want to talk about Carter's Stampede Mafia thing, too. But maybe I'll come back to that. Come back to that. Come back. I've got to follow up The question up that, that I have, the question I have is, it, is what is he doing? He will probably fail. He will bloody his party. This will not likely occur. And there are so many, so many challenges with it in terms of his potential risks and exposures across the board. And it's hard not to note that this also occurred basically contemporaneously with him not being put into cabinet. And I, I you know, do you think I there's a relationship really hope, there? You think well, there's a relationship? I'm saying right now. I, I think he was feeling some feelings, and I just hope he wasn't clouded in his judgment as he decided to take this action. Because for me, it's not remotely clear what the end game is here that leaves him up, right? Up with the liberals, up with the public in Calgary, up. And and even if he kind of rides a wave of public sentiment saying, yeah, what is the stampede doing? I'm really mad at them, F those guys. Even if that is the zeitgeist, even if he's captured it first and he's done that, to what end? Like, what is he going to do with it? Like, where does he take it from here? And so, I, you know, I, I, I mean this not rhetorically. I don't know what he's doing with this particular one. I, Carter, I think it's the simplest thing in the that? world. I think that it's it's a simple strategy of I will stand up for victims of uh, of sexual abuse because in the history of politics that has never been a bad strategy. Um. I listen. I get the. I again. I think he could yeah, write yeah. a version of that letter that did that without the things he put in there. That, in my opinion, are kind of traps for him or the yeah. liberals or both. Like it, that's what I don't. Quite yeah, I mean, understand. the traps were. You know, the trap is uh-huh. the outcome, right? The trap. Uh, 
I think the trap that Corey's referring to is that until such time as this happens, we will not do that, which is provide money to the stampede. He doesn't control. He doesn't control. Or, or, he doesn't control that. You know, like, right. Th- that's so he has built a trap in for himself on saying a consequence that he doesn't control. I don't think that it matters in the overall scheme of things. But if you were a more cautious politician, uh, if you didn't want to, um, like, there is a way to write the scathing part of the letter without worrying about the the how do they get, how does this get resolved? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But you know, what's, you know what's interesting about this though? It, it kind of like from if we zoom out. From a political strategy perspective, the question I have is, when do we announce success or failure on George's letter? And I'd say the answer is as soon as it comes out, because it's like an emotional reaction that people have being like, I like it or I don't like it. This is good or bad. And like the question is, ultimately, will we have any follow through? Eight months from now, 11 months from now, leading up to June, being like, hey, did the feds ever fund Stampede? Oh, they did. Well, in that case, fuck George. No. Look, t- tell me about this. this. Is, I think you're wrong. I think okay, you're wrong. So, t- Here's the challenge. Is, uh, debate me. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Imagine, imagine the distant future, 2024. George Hall has his Stampede <laughs> breakfast. Okay. <laughs> Questions, anyone? Right? Like, I mean, this is the challenge. If you are going to be a Calgary MP... And to declare war like this with the stampede without giving yourself a clear out that you control, like there's a lot of problems there. There's a lot of challenges. You know what though? As Good we point. say, there's would, a lot of hairs on them. Fascinating. I should just quick before Carter jumps in. I should mention. I just Carter before you jump in. Um, this episode is of course brought to you by George Shahal's uh, 2024 Stampede Breakfast uh, RSVP today at uh, shahalkabal.ca. Yeah. Uh, Carter. Um, <laughs> You wanted to jump in on this. Yeah, I was just going to say, imagine a situation where he cancels his Stampede Breakfast in 2024 because it hasn't been resolved. Well, that's also, no, that I also think it sucks he for does him it, because then he he's does just it the, kicked he into does the, it the headlines before. again. He has this. a community breakfast where he serves pancakes to everybody and he says, you know what? I, in good conscience, in good conscience... So he's fucking fighting with his own no, liberal party in, at this point. Like he, he's he bringing brings, the fight back you know, I mean, to the liberals. By then, I mean, I I think I think he can do something. I don't think he needs to be the guy who's hosting the liberal stampede breakfast. Ah, oh, jeez. Like I, yeah, I, okay. I but I, you know, the point I would make is it's pretty tough to be a Calgary politician. And ignore the Calgary Stampede, even if you don't want to go to war. No, with you'd the have stampede. to go to war. Like, that's really I, I think that that's Corey, the only Corey, solution. Okay, here, and this, this this goes to the mafia question. Corey, give me your thoughts on the mafia sort of element that Carter's brought. Yeah, in, uh, if so, you have anything listen, on that, and then and then I want to move on because we're thirty six minutes in and two questions deep. Yeah, the called by Carter Stampede Mafia, I think, was more of a thing back oh. in the day. You know, there there is certainly a group of people who think that they run the city that is connected to the the boosterism activities that gravitate around the Calgary Stampede. I'm certainly not disputing that. But I don't think they run the city anymore. I think if they ran the city, Jeff Davison would be mayor of Calgary instead of the fellow who came in third, right? It's just, it's not really how Calgary runs anymore. Calgary runs on different engines. And George Chahal represents one of those engines, right? Kind of this progressive politics, you know, very, uh, uh, you, you know, modern and outtake, uh, you know, diverse communities, that's a version of Calgary that also exists and has an engine now. Uh, just as there's an engine of populist right-wing politics, and just as there are other engines all over the city with all sorts of interests, it's way less unidimensional. And, you know, this idea of the so-called Stampede Mafia, so-called by Stephen, I will mention. Carter. Uh, I just don't think it's the same well, thing that it was. No, I mean, believe me, I've got... I've, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move Can I on. answer that? Fine. You can. You can, You're Carter. very kind to me. Um... Yeah. Okay. I, I that's my I've question. Taken, I'm moving. I've okay, taken fine. the not, calls. Fuck. Right. These. It, it's. It, I totally agree with Corey. Yeah. You know these. These. The, the. The organization does not have the strength that it once did. Um. But the people who are involved in the organization think that it does, and that's where I think uh, a lot of the problems here are. I mean, I think that that's one of the reasons, frankly, that they thought that they could get away with this for as long as they did. Um, and the fact that they did get away with this for multiple decades uh, shows that there there is a culture of secrecy around the stampede that's not healthy uh, for any organization. Um, but I will tell you that when they called me and tried to tell me that we were going to lose the election for campaigning against them, I said, I'm not sure which Calgary stampede you think you are, but uh, you're not the one that I'm going to be fighting against. 
Uh, we're going to leave that particular one there, Carter. We're moving on to our next question. Before we do, uh, this this particular uh, question was brought to us by uh, Flair Airlines, uh, no engines. Uh, it, Corey. It wasn't. Uh, but it was, <laughs> though. Yeah. I'm literally reading yeah, the script they sent me. It's pretty good. They're not one of the engines, Carter. They're not one of the engines. Corey. Fine, fabulous, or fucked. I'm starting with you with this one. The Ontario Liberals, Corey, have won a pair of by-elections, including snagging a previous progressive conservative seat. This is a party that uh, struggled to get into third place, but they win a pair of by-elections. From your perspective, Corey, they, of course, got an ongoing leadership race, I should mention for context. That's happening uh, currently in the moment. Fine, fabulous, or fucked for the Ontario Provincial Liberals. It's probably fabulous. Um, I I don't myself personally overinterpret this as like the liberals are back in a big way. They had somebody who like had a yeah. very powerful candidate, you know, a former MP who who runs. It was, you know, in, in the other case, a seat that they'd held. So like no no big in that sense. But you know, certainly that's great. It's better to win by elections than lose them. And well, when I last checked, and I should have looked this up again, the NDP were doing pretty strong in southwestern Ontario, doing stronger than they have historically done. No one's talking about that. Everyone's talking about the fact that the Liberals got both seats. And it's better to win than to lose. And uh, it will certainly help in their ongoing attempt to become like the opposition in waiting, the, the, the government in waiting. Uh, it's funny because they're in third place, so but they're trying to yeah, leap and not even official party space. status yet. Still with the gains, not official yeah. party status. Carter, in your mind, fine, fabulous, yeah. or fucked? They snag Listen, these. Listen, how seats. am I going to go against Corey when he's come up with uh, staggering insight that it is better to win than to lose? Corey, I take, awesome. I dop, You know, my hat is is off to you, my friend. That is, I can't. I have nothing to follow up on. So, Corey. I mean, we've created so you, much merchandise you, this episode. Uh, yeah, it's you, so good. Yeah. It is better to win than to lose. Yeah. My friend, you have nailed it today. Thank you. Thank you for all of this. You're welcome. Hey, hey, Carter, you don't... Yeah. Be a bug soon. Yeah. There, there's a question that is either intriguing or totally useless, but I'm going to ask okay. it anyways. What does it probably, mean to you guys? It's probably useless. Yeah, probably. It is once again me hosting this episode, yeah. not Animal. Where is she um, again? Corey, what... Yeah. Yeah, let's give her a bug. We should call What it. is... We should call it like a like a pre-recorded radio show. <laughs> Ask her to live call. Hey, hey, Corey, what does it mean to you that they they actually net gained a seat without a leader? Uh it is a pretty good validation of the the old reality. I, I was going to say adage. It's not an adage, right? But here's the thing: when you don't have a leader, you can kind of impart anything into this party. You can believe it's going to be whatever you want it to be. And that is sometimes useful when you've got a by-election coming up because it's it's more like an opposition thing. It's a, yeah, we're going to fight these guys. Yeah, we're not very happy with Ford. We're just, you know, and they seem to be the viable candidate. And I think that's the important point here, Zane, the viability of the liberals in the writings. Not only did they maintain it, they strengthened it, but like to run a former MP, uh, to run uh, in a writing that you had previously held, you're going to be seen as the alternative to uh, Ford arguably in both cases. So yeah, this was as much as anything. The continued Ontario, um, you know, there's Doug Ford and then there's the other guys and we'll vote for whichever the other guys make sense at any particular moment. Carter, do you feel like they may have gained or at least had a slight boost by getting this extra seat because they didn't have a leader? Like to Corey's point, like any this re, this ambitious future reality it could be anyone it could be anything actually is a net positive versus having an actual person with baggage and negatives and policy and all those sort of things in place do you think not having a leader here helped or are we overstating I think the, it? the only parallel i can think of is the uh by-election in calgary glenmore uh that cory lost um where <laughs> you're welcome buddy thanks um where you know the yeah. the wild rose wound up picking it up before the leadership was determined, and I think that that you know there is something to be said for everybody thinks that their person's going to win, so you know you're really pushing for that person. So I think that it could have meant something. I don't think it's why they won. I don't think that it was the decisive factor. I mm. think that it was um, Karen McCrin Yeah, Karen. Let's call her Karen. Um, she won. Karen? Yeah. 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 Karen, Karen and Gary. Yeah, thanks. Pal thanks thanks again. 
from last yeah, episode. Gary. Uh, what was his last Gary. name, Carter? Anyways, the the Gary, yeah, Gary, they Gary. won um, because of her more than they won because of who the leader was or is or will be. Really hurtful that you guys come after me. Shahal Cabal sounds like a great basketball team if we ever wanted to start one. I feel like <laughs> we could I feel it. like <laughs> I feel like I could play off the bench off Shahal Cabal. Carter, I'm going to start with the, in the next one for for uh, with you. Fine, fabulous, or fucked. For the federal liberals, we're going to the liberals, okay. Carter. A bunch of backbench MPs spoke on the condition that they not be named the Toronto Star, saying that they're disappointed, that the choices for the new cabinet seem to not be based on hard work, talent, or commitment. We all know that there's a tight circle around the PM if you're going to convince Canadians, blah, blah, blah. They pretty much said, listen, I didn't get the job. I didn't like the choices. And a bunch of them. It seemed like it wasn't just one or two. Fine, fabulous, or fuck. Let me go uh, for the for the Trudeau government that these leaks are coming out uh, from from backbenchers, active, current backbenchers in their. Yeah, government. I mean, I'm going to go with fine because it's not it's not fabulous to be sure that this is happening, but it is pretty standard. Um, people who don't get appointed, I'll tell you, the the people who don't get appointed to being a cabinet minister, they they are 100 percent certain. You know, like if you appoint. 40 people to cabinet and there's 40 people not appointed to cabinet. Those 40 people all believe they should have been appointed to cabinet. There's no group of people who are sitting on the back going, Oh man, you know what? I'm really glad I didn't get appointed to cabinet. I'm not quite ready for it yet. Like maybe that happens the very first, um, the very first cabinet, but the second you're like minutes into, uh, into a government, they're like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm totally ready. I'm totally ready. I want to be, I want to be the person I can totally be the person. And this, this is just not shocking by any level. What is shocking is that they're talking to the media. Um, that's less than ideal, but that's again, it's to be predicted, um, given the length of time that this government has survived. Corey, for the low, low price of $6 per month, we put out an episode last week that gave some of these members of parliament an entire guide of how to maybe eventually get into cabinet. Carter's uh, Carter's uh, strategy, uh, not to spoil it for you, Carter, was uh, roundly, find a new leader because you're not getting roundly it. appreciated. <laughs> find a new leader. Yeah. Roundly yes, appreciated. It was uh, by very few people. Corey, you had a much more detailed strategy. I don't know if it was any better. Um, I don't think between either of you, you guys suggested speak on the condition of anonymity to the Toronto Star. I don't think that was one of the no, steps. No, neither of us That wasn't. That, that no, wasn't but, one of the steps. No, but we did. Hey, shout out to the Patreon. Six dollars. Uh, Strategistpatreon.com. Make it happen, folks. But, you know, we uh, we did talk about this was a likely consequence yes, we did. of a big shuffle. Right. And that you could expect to see a little bit more of this. And there's this grumbling uh, would kind of move forward and perhaps define the next bit of Justin Trudeau's tenure as leader. Because, and as you know, there's a whole bloody episode. Go listen to it if you want. But uh, he's raised the stakes for himself. Right. He is he is antagonized certain people who were left out of cabinet, dropped from cabinet in some cases. And they're down in the polls. And at a certain point, you're going to see more of what you almost yada, yada, yada over in that Star article, which is people saying, maybe Katie Telford has to go. Maybe it's the people around the prime minister that needs to go. And we've said this before. They always come for the people around the prime minister, around the premier, before they come for the prime minister or the premier. This is like, this is textbook how these things play out. And so... um, not great, but not that that troubling because it is pretty common, as Stephen said. The lack of discipline that led to it being in the Toronto Star is is eyebrow-raising. It certainly suggests that there's an acceleration of the grumbling a little beyond what I would have expected. I don't know about you, Stephen, but uh, it is the trajectory you would expect when such action. I'd love to be in the whip's office when this yeah, is happening. Yeah, the only person... Pretty fun. And the only person that was named yeah. was Lametti in that CBC article where he texted them back being like, it's a surprise I wasn't in cabinet. But these people like talking about like, give me a break. Why isn't this person in cabinet? And this person should be like ultimately playing armchair pundit while being a sitting member of the liberals. Seems like something we, we do see, Corey. But to your point, it seems like there's a lot of folks with that with that particular sort of gripe that they have. And I'm sure they're talking to to each other. Uh, the question, I guess, I have, Carter, as a follow-up. Find fabulous or fucked if you're one of these people. If the Toronto Star guarantees you anonymity, 
that you can go on the record, get your voice heard, and you probably know that the PM and his office and other ministers and people in, in your circle are going to read this. Fine, fabulous, or fucked that you did. Well, I mean, let's go with the premise that this is the last cabinet that Justin Trudeau makes. Then you're totally fine. Doesn't matter. He's not going to put you in a cabinet. There's not going to be any real consequences. No one's going to be outed by the star. They will have their uh, names protect- protected. But, um, you know, you hurt the party today, and it makes it less likely that you're, you're going to remain in government. Now, did you destroy the party? No, not really. I mean, it's just kind of annoying. So um, it's fine. It's, you know, it's fine for them, but uh, it's not like even if you're working for on, on that leadership campaign, which I said you should be doing, um, sure. this isn't the best. This, Actively. This every isn't day. the best, the best overall strategy. This isn't the way that you want him to be pushed out. You want there to be a much more ordered transition um, without this kind of internal scrapping. Corey, is there any good strategy here to add to, to, to make your comments anonymously to the Toronto Star? Uh, and I ask you in that same frame of fine, fabulous, or fucked, if you're working just for one of these MPs and, and they're like, I did this or I'm going to do this, well, how, what would you tell them that, the, that their strategy was? And, and, and can you just think of any upside to doing this? Yeah, okay. So there is one obvious upside, right? Upside, quotes, I'm yeah. putting almost in quotes here. Sure. If you're already trying to get rid of the prime minister, this helps do that, right? This destabilizes the prime minister. I don't think dramatically, but I think this is an action that's consistent with undercutting Justin Trudeau's leadership. And if your goal is actually the Stephen Carter goal of a leadership change um, in order to get your ass into cabinet, I guess it moves that forward. Uh, This is kind of classic liberal backbiting, though, Uh, this notion that... Uh, we will try to take each other out in the press anonymously, and and maybe this is a return to form with you know factions fighting each other in order to get control of the party. Because the thing I really want to underline is, boy, yeah. have I seen this show before? Boy, have we all you know if you're old enough, um, and the Martinites and the Cretchenites used to do this to each other perpetually, and before that, it was the Turnerites and the Cretchenites, and well, before that, yeah. and before that, forever. Here's the question, though, Carter. It almost goes back to the Ontario liberal question, them being leaderless. When Corey mentions the ites versus each other, the other side doesn't really have a person. How, how, how long in your mind until that happens? If, if Let's just go down Corey's speculation avenue a bit, right? Let's just say the folks that spoke to the Torstar were maybe interconnected in their desire to see the PM weakened or go, that there's a new... How long before a... I shouldn't say a singular within the caucus voice emerges, but you've seen this movie yeah. before. Both of you have. So maybe give us a preview of the next scene. When does the when does the uh, the secondary hero appear uh, in this story, if, Carter? If they're smart, they're not going to be seen at all. Um, I think that, you know, there's lots to be learned from leaderships in the past. And, you know, the the, the liberals, um, you know, they have a tendency to... to elect the person who's been agitating and then kind of screw them over in, in, in a bit. But, uh, you know, the, the PCs in Alberta have played this uh, this game as well. And it's the person who, who puts the knife in the leader is never elected leader. So if you, you don't want to be seen doing this. You want uh, this to not be coordinated through your activities. This has to exist on its own and away from you. And and ideally, I mean, there's a school of thought that says that Anita Anand was moved out into the, into the treasury board. Uh, what, what did Andrew Coring call it? The um, uh, anonymous and death or what, whatever the words were that he used for the, uh, for the president of the treasury board um, because she was agitating to build her leadership team, build a leadership structure. Uh, you, you know, you just don't you don't need that extra shit on top of what you're trying to do. You don't want to be seen as the person agitating anything. Corey, when does the when does the co-star of this production show up in your mind if we've seen this movie before? Well, um I, I Steven's right. You don't want to be looking like you were the one pushing things around. So ideally you keep yourself in the background. It's funny as Steven was talking, as you were asking that question, I started thinking, Hey, based on the comments, who do we think maybe could be the agitator here? And I'm just going to say it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, Edmonton, Mark Carney, liberal hopeful, Mark sure. Carney. Yeah. that's my new theory here. 
because uh, there was there was an awful lot talking about this didn't really change the economic story. That's the important thing. Geez, if only we could change the economic story. Um, but, you know, I want to lead into a more serious comment, which is, it, you know, a lot of time comments like this hit the press. And if you're the leader's office, you don't know, but you know, yeah. like, you know who it is. You know, there was like there was one comment in particular where there was mentioned like, oh, and he was a former uh, provincial finance minister. Yeah, for God's Charles Souza they're talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Immaterial who I was just going to say the. um the freezing that that exact comment may have been made the exact way this you know the Toronto Star has no way of knowing that but that could be something that somebody said at a caucus meeting right and then people are going to read that and go oh, it's fucking bill yeah but if that's this, fucking yeah. bill it's bill fucking charles said charles always speaks in third person yeah. we know it but if this is done properly though <laughs> you plant it to make it look like it was someone else too right you use someone else's phrasing well so i'm a little more machiavellian yeah. than you so well no, I mean, man, like, listen, the, these games, yeah. if they're beginning, there's a lot of liberals who know them very, very well. well. Let's put it that way. They sure did. National uh, Governing we'll Party see. of Canada, Corey. We're going to leave that segment there. Moving on to our final segment, our over, under, our lightning round. Stephen Carter, we do everything on Thank this show you. for you. The show built, tailor-made, designed, bespoke. Everything about great. it is for you. On a 1 to 10 scale, 1 to 10 scale, Carter, give me a grade on that 1 to 10 yeah, because they give out grades on one yeah, to ten. Yeah, they do. Don't they look do. at me that, no, right? I'm in. On the I'm Georgia in, Hall yeah. letter. Georgia Hall letter. I'm what are you giving a plus. out of ten? I mean, I think it's an absolute A+. Plus. He, he, he's taken the right side of an issue, and he's pushing for it. And I think that there were maybe things we could clean up, but the sentiment wins for me. I'm giving him an A+. Plus. Actually, no, a B plus. Corey, what are you giving B+ George? I changed uh, my mind. He's given Carter's downgrading uh, after the. Those oh my nice god! He went down a letter grade in. Yeah, like I was thinking five about seconds. It. Yeah, he can't give him an A plus when he's made that kind of error the on, the, on the. He doesn't control the outputs. Fuck B plus. Corey, what do you think? One to ten. Uh, yeah, I mean, I give him a revise and resubmit. Ultimately, the uh, you know he could have taken the same tone. He could have generally taken the same strategy, but his specifics were a little broken. And I he's created a trap for some combination of himself and his party, which will not make him super popular. Uh, because now the liberals have a choice between either defunding the Calgary Stampede and giving the uh, you know conservatives that, or uh, he has. Uh, create a situation where they don't and it looks like the liberals don't care about the abuse of children so uh not great revise and resubmit it's good stuff Corey, i'm gonna stick with you for our next one scale of one to ten how fucked are the trudeau uh, liberals on this item one being not so fucked ten being majorly fucked the B.C. port workers have voted to reject a mediated agreement over the weekend, extending the job action that prevented billions in goods from moving for almost two weeks earlier this month. Uh, the still Labor Minister, Seamus O'Regan, is on the file trying to see if there's any more movement. But how bad is this for the Liberals, Corey, on a scale of 1 to 10? You know, I don't know that it's that bad because when it looks like all options are truly exhausted, that's when they can do some of the more extreme options that they've been trying to avoid, yeah. right? Such as legislating. So, um, uh, I don't, I don't actually think it's that bad, to be honest, to be blunt. Carter, do you agree with Corey on that scale of one to ten? Well, what do you I give think it? that, I think that th- this is where they really are facing now legislation. Um, and I don't think that that's necessarily bad for the liberals at all. Uh, to le- legislate something back to to work to to show that kind of strength might actually be a plus uh, for them. So I'm giving them, I'm giving them uh, probably a B minus. Corey, yeah, I, having heard Stephen talk about it, I'm giving yeah, it an that's, F. I think that's really a plus. I'll, yeah. I'll be I'll be giving it a forty five. Thank you, uh, Carter. I'm going to start start with you on this ne- uh, next one. Are you in or out on Daniel Smith saying that? If the Calgary Medical Clinic that's, you know, suggested it's going to charge membership fees, um, this this membership fee model to see a family doctor, that it will be shut down, fined, or have Medicare payments uh, from the province withheld. Are you in or out on Smith's rhetoric here? Um, and tell I mean, me why. That's absolutely what should happen. So I'm I'm in. Um, that that's what the province has to do in order to ensure that they don't lose their their own funding. Um 
you can be in the system or you can be out. Does it of- surprise you? Does it surprise you that she comes out so hard? I don't know. I mean, I've chatted with her about the the the, the healthcare system so many times. I I think that she's on any given day she can have any given position. What is she like? She's some sort of um, physical physics particle that can be anywhere. What's that called? A quark? We don't know where the yeah. So you know, oh, yeah. that's. That sounds like an amazing skill to play shooting guard on the Charlotte oh, yeah. ball. They, it, um, the basketball she could team be that in any position on the court. Northeast yeah. Calgary basketball yeah. team. We play yeah. winter yeah, outdoors. George Moore. <laughs> yeah, the oh, winter outdoors. Winter, winter outdoors. Genesis Center is where we practice, okay? <laughs> okay Very that's good. Nice. That's nice. Uh, yeah, as the board chair of the Y, well condoned. Um, yeah. Corey, are you in or out on Daniel Smith's yes. rhetoric here? Uh, you know what? I'm in, and I actually think this was an interesting one because it seemed to take a few days to get there. Yep. But I don't know if when you're so absolute like that, that's necessarily a bad thing. I almost feel, and maybe I'm reading way too much into this, maybe I'm giving them way too much credit, but I kind of feel like they almost uh, you know, threw out their lure and they reeled very slowly in some NDP rhetoric on this one about how Seems outrageous like this was. They've, they've broken their promise. Do you remember the video before that? Really elevated that the premier said she was going to do this and then did this. Right. Then went and said, no, this is exactly what I'm going to do. And I think that when I look at that, when I contemplate all of that and I think about what the NDP, the Alberta NDP could have done differently, it's like, you know, don't make all the moves at once. Make a move. See how the other guy moves, you know, and uh, and this was uh, this was making all the moves at once, you know, one after the other, increasing video production, increasing everything. And I understand the instinct. But I think that that's how you really get yourself out on a limb. And you don't know what she's going to do. And you you probably fell for a bit of a caricature of Danielle Smith, who, of course, wanted this thing. You really should have understood whether she wanted this thing before you went so far. We're going to leave it there. That's a wrap on episode 1086 of The Strategist. My name is Zane Velji. With me, as always, Stephen Carter, Corey Hogan. And we'll see you next time. 